Good evening, and welcome to Dan Bain's Sleepy Time Mumbles, a podcast you can miss. I am Dan Bain, and every episode I improvise a a low-stakes podcast for you to fall asleep to. I'm very excited to announce that for all four of my regular New Zealand listeners, a curious phenomena that while the podcast has over 20,000 downloads, very few of them are from New Zealand. I don't know why I keep trying to capture the local market, but nonetheless, I will continue for my few dedicated local listeners. I have taken the time to open a merch shop for you so that you don't have to pay the extraordinary amounts of shipping costs to have various amusing pieces of merchandise made in North America and shipped to the very bottom of the world. Instead, get it done here, pay just for the thing, keep it local, etc. Link for that, of course, in the show notes. My dear, dear North American, Canadian listeners, you of course have always had access to my tea public store. I bought one of the shirts off that originally when I first set it up to make sure they were nice. They are nice, they're very soft, and what better to sleep in than a soft shirt that says Sleepy Time Mumbles on it. An interesting provocation, I'm sure. This evening's episode is a return to my improvised fantasy novel pseudo-medieval sword adventure and I'm sure that many of you are concerned to see that this is part three 
and perhaps you haven't listened to part one or part two. Perhaps now you are concerned that in order for part three to make sense, you must have already listened to part one or part two. Fear not, friends. I am sure that listening to either of those episodes will neither add nor subtract from your experience of this evening's episode. Tomorrow morning it would be great if you could rate or review this podcast wherever you found it. You could follow I Am Dan Bain on Facebook or Twitter or Sleepy Time Mumbles on Instagram. Links to tickets to our live shows are also in the show notes. But don't worry about that now. That can wait. For now, put down your phone, turn off your screens, close your eyes. Now it's time to be mumbled to sleep. Season 2, Episode 18, Pseudo-Medieval Sword Adventure, Part 3, Pseudo-Medieval Sword Adventure, Book 1, The Hammer of Anvilston, The Raven's Keep Sequence, Catalyst Rising, Chapter 29, On Victory Hill. Pokarth stood on the dais with the rulers and dignitaries of Red Castle Keep. The victory had been hard won and all of them showed signs of the long campaign the days and nights of trial and effort the struggles and toils that all of them collectively had been through. Pogarth looked around him to his companions and indeed also to those that were not there as well as those 
that were there. And he felt emotions of both. Next to him, Carmela Redibla, the albino lizard woman whom he had rescued from the wasting disease, turned and looked at him and winked one of her yellow reptilian eyes. I love a parade, she chuckled. On the streets below, a horn sounded long and low and the victorious forces began their parade through the streets. People leaned out of windows to throw flower petals and rice hard uncooked rice as was the custom raining down gleefully on the the victorious forces at the head of the parade his majesty's golden cavalry the light bringers carrying high their banner the crocodile headed lion and emblazoned with their motto we roar their stirrups jingled and their horses wicked and that the sun uh, pinged off their shiny shiny armor they all carried shields and lances with pennants that blew in the breeze. They were led by Captain Kermeling Cudgel the third. Pokarth had saved Cudgel in the battle of Fensdel 
and Kerminal turned and nodded to Pokarth, who nodded back. Past the dais, the unit of horsemen trick trotted and behind them came the squire's cavalry which was another cavalry unit made up entirely of Knights, squires, the squires' guard, they were called for their habit of guarding themselves. And they had been newly minted in the crucible of war. And they were a light cavalry. Uh, and their horses were not as good but they proudly bore their banner which was a a a picture of a marionette and their motto cut the strings and run free which was controversial high up above Pokarth on the dais on top of the dais the double dais was the king's throne and he frowned to see the squire's banner but they could not be disowned for their honour had been hard one and none could dispute it and the, the maidens of the town especially loved the squire's guard oh they loved them and they cheered most heartily as they came as they wound their way through the streets Behind them came the angry ladies mob. The mob of angry ladies with their uh, with their long hair plaited with uh, a spiky ball at the end in battle they would whirl their hair around like a less like a whip like a flail and bash the enemies and they all wore sensible shoes 
so they could run and whip you with their hair. And they they muttered their curses for and dark nimbuses of magical power danced around them for indeed they knew the darkening arts and they also all wore blindfolds for that was the custom of their order and because of this they were also quite muddy because they they couldn't see themselves to to clean themselves up and get all nice for the parade the king also frowned at this for a proclamation had been made that everyone was to look the best they could but Pokarth knew that this was the best they could look as he personally had been there for the hosing down of them before the parade began behind them marching in ordered rows came the grievous infantry they bore their banner high a green a green pig for they came from the piglands where every every house had a pig by law and marching in step next to their captain was the company mascot pig a, a giant big old boar with enormous tusks called heavy henry who accompanied the grievous into battle and made a ferocious winking and had distinguished himself at the siege of the devil's bookcase they marched past in ordered rows all 500 of them 500 now but what casualties they had had for before the battle of the devil's bookcase there had been 5,000 of them I indeed the piglands would mourn the loss of their sons and husbands their fathers and landlords who 
had been slain that fateful day. But their deeds were recorded on the walls of the Temple of Cuff. And what honour that was indeed, for no farmer from the piglands had e'er been mentioned there afore these times. Behind them came the, the prancing ponies which would, weren't part of the army but were just part of the parade and it was clowns who did acrobatic tricks on ponies and even though was not really particularly appropriate. Uh, everyone liked the, the change of tone after the decimated grievous infantry. Behind them, pulled by mighty oxen yoked to the front of them came the catapulting division twelve mighty siege engines each highly decorated and Capable, known for their crushing of walls and hurling of stuff. The heavy, creaking war machines vibrated the entire street as they were hauled past. Their crews marching in sloppy formation around them, more accustomed to the mathematics of angle and torsion than the discipline of the parade ground. Behind these mighty war machines came the Regiment Fantastico. A manticore and a griffin and a small wyvern all ridden by Urantil elves with high pointy hats and arch expressions and as they did walk past the townsfolk 
they did fall silent and the throwing of petals and rice desisted for I had not been so many years ago that the elves had waged their own war on the children of man but now circumstance had brought them together and while ancient enmity still lingered and you found grudging respect had begun to blossom after the heroism of the Elven Brigade sacrificing itself to allow the evacuation of Brimstone Crag from the advancing horde. Behind them came 1,000 crabs pulling along the conch shell of the princess of the ocean. She sat in her conch shell and ate a plum which was the only land food she had the taste for. As the clacking of the crabs faded, Pokarth sighed. Lizardy paramour. I fear this will go on for some time, he said. That was episode 18 of season 2 of Sleepy Time Mumbles. Pseudo Medieval Sword Adventure Part 3 Sleepy Time Mumbles is produced by Noosed Octopus Co. and created and presented by me, Dan Bain. Links to all of our things are, as always, in the notes for this show. I encourage you to use them. Until next time, though, good night.